Hello and welcome to a new edition of this chat between uh, me and Prad. Prad, uh, welcome. Welcome to the show again. So, uh, are you ready to have this discussion now? Yeah, yeah. What's been happening since the last time we spoke? So, a lot to discuss. Yeah. Uh, so, we're picking up some topics. So, the first one I'm going to talk about is the Arrows project. And this is on the back of the performance that uh, the Indian teams have had in the SAF under 20 and performance uh, based on the fact that, you know, what's happening in the next 10 Cup. Uh, it really showed where we are, didn't we? And this Arrows project, 23, 24, 25 kids is what we are focusing on. Uh, it felt like a stupid move when it started. Uh, it probably cemented right now. What, what is your take on it? What's that definition of insanity? It's like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I mean, that's pretty much seems what the Arrows project seems like. Uh, you know, they got... They got success in a way. It's, it's the same like TFA, right? You got success because at the time there's nothing else around for youth to play. So everyone played in, in the first batch of arrows instead of sitting on the bench at I-League clubs because there was no youth system. And it looked successful. But then over time, if you're going to take just a select group of players and keep the same group of players training all year round, it just doesn't make sense. First, it's, a dis it's not an incentive for any clubs to start their youth development. I remember the first bat with JJ and Dika, I think, came over from Pune FC and other clubs provided their youth players. So you're weakening those club teams and then you're taking away that incentive for them as well um, to develop their own players. So I think the argument was made way back then, 10 years ago, saying if you take 30, they used to take about 30 in the Arrows project and train them for a year. Only 11 get to start, three subs, maximum 14 players are getting game time. And you know how it is with a club team over the course of the season. Maybe 18 players get minutes, you know, substantial minutes. So you've got 12 players who are basically doing the same thing, just training and not playing. And so if you're the national team coach of that particular age group, yeah, granted you get to work with those players for longer, but you're only looking at a small pool of players. Whereas if each team in the I-League in those days, 14 teams had a developmental team, and each of them would obviously have at least 20, if not 30, in their squad. So even if you just say 25, you know, you're looking at 2,500, uh, sorry, 250 to possibly yeah, 300, 400 players in India in that age group. And then on any given week, you should have, you know, 150 getting minutes as opposed to just 11. So it just multiplies much better and it's, you know, this there's definitely enough kids who want to play and and you just have to create competitions. Cost-wise, I get that argument. Um, and you could do it regionally, which will keep your cost down. But as you've seen and we've seen over the years, the way the costs have spiraled with the Arrows project, you could easily do a more cost-effective and you know, pan India and cater to a lot more players. And um, Look, Mizoram has done it. They have age group um, league, not tournament, league. Um, I think... Karnataka Football Association starting to do it. Goa's always had it. They've always had that under-20 league. So it is possible to do it. It just needs the right people pushing it in the right um, right direction. Yeah, it just seems like a very narrow-minded view that uh, they've taken it. And uh, which national federation actually uh, runs? <laughs> and then the Indian no. sells the players. <laughs> no, that part, that's the biggest joke about it. It's like you're a national federation and you take players from club teams and then claim that they're yours and say we develop them and you want to play in the league and then you don't let them go and play for their clubs and then 
you try and actually sell them afterwards, which is just even more ridiculous. I mean, the fact that you can take them away from a club, so especially now with this training compensation coming in. So if, if, if you're a club and you loan your player to the Arrows project, he plays for the Arrows, and then let's say an ISL team or some other team comes in for them, you don't get that year as training compensation because they weren't with you. They were with the Arrows team. So it just beggars belief. I mean, the, the, the darkness of it. And, you know, it go, in a way it goes against FIFA rules as well. Like it's a tournament. You can take our players. Like SAF Cup now, yes, clubs can have to give up their players for the national team's performance. But to give your players up for the entire year where they're your players and they're just training either in Bhubaneswar or Goa or wherever the, these teams are based and not playing games makes absolutely no sense um, when they could have their local games and in addition have those games. So this whole uh, take national teams and, you know, sequester them away for a while um, in different cities is just a hugely, hugely flawed concept, but it obviously benefits a few. The people who are going on these tours to Vanuatu or, you know, <laughs> play a team that wears Italian jerseys and, and all that kind of stuff, it benefits them, but it doesn't benefit Indian football and the results are there and, we we know about it, and yesterday was just another reminder. Yeah, absolutely. I, one one last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, why are we always constantly surprised that Bangladesh is actually improving as a football team, and perhaps we are not actually doing that, and uh, they are slowly, you know, closing the gap, and our uh, first team is finding it harder to beat them as easily as they used to. Uh, they drew at home, and now the under twenty is beating them. So uh, at home again. So you know. Stand still and you get taken over, overtaken, right? Yeah, I think, look, I haven't really followed Bangladesh football as much, but I mean, just from what you've seen in terms of some of the clubs are investing quite heavily, it's, their leagues are, is reasonably competitive and, you know, they give a fair fight in the AFC Cup, their club teams. And South Cup, their senior team is reasonable. So there is some investment in their youth development over there, but you listen to the pre-match comments of the coach, we should be dominating in SAF, etc., etc. I don't know why they think we should be dominating. We've never, it's never as if we've gone and then blown away teams 4-0 in every game and then won the SAF Cup. It's always been relatively um, competitive at this age group and even at the older age group at full national team. I think it goes back to the same point. If Once you're in the Arrows team, there's no competition for places. You know you're selected for the final squad of it. Whereas if you had, you know, when the, the ne prior to that next-gen cup when all these teams were playing in Goa, the, you know, there was competition amongst the ISL club teams. But if we had a competition where ISL, I-League, under-20 teams are all competing, and then the coach is picking the best players from there, A, you're picking players on form, B, nobody's places for granted. You're taking the best players, you're cherry-picking from the current crop of under-20 from all these teams who are doing well and putting together a team. And that's what national team coaches do. It's not take your team, trying to make it into a club team and then say, all right, we'll keep them for a long time and that'll help our results. Um, and I think that that's another thing with the players. Once they, when you wear your national team jersey, there should be a pride about wearing it, right? It's the day you put it on, it's like, oh, wow, I'm representing the country. You put in a performance that happens everywhere in the world. Here, you're wearing that and, and playing for week in week out you wear it every week when you're playing in the league so it just it just devalues the whole thing and, also, and i've seen it with players come back with a chip on their shoulder because they think oh i'm an arrows player I'm like you're not a professional player you're playing in a team that's made up to play in a league and you haven't you know got their own merit you're not playing in the i-league on merit you're in, you're on a quota system 
So um, these players just, just, and that's why I think there's a huge gap between the first batches of the Arrows players and, and now the, the quality and they're just nowhere, no, nowhere near that level. Yes. Now, uh, moving on to the next topic, right? The return of English coaches to India. Now we have Simon Grayson, Constantine was announced uh, the other day, Eddie Bertroyd and Des uh, Buckingham, who I always forget is English for some reason, although there is no legitimate reason why. So we have uh, the Spanish invasion was there for a long time. Uh, why is there a shift? Is there any, can you see any pattern in this? It's one simple answer, Owen Coyle. I think um, <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. You know, Owen Coyle won the league with, um, with Jamshitpur and immediately probably there's, a, there's owners thinking, right, that's the way that suits our Indian players better and whatever, you know, the, the, the usual myopic thinking is um, that's the way to go. Um, he's got it. Yeah, so but... He got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, British, I mean, you've represented Ireland as well, so oh, let's just go with British Islands, UK. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, look, I think when, when you're a club team, you should be recruiting your coaches on merit, um, not on nationality. You don't, that, that shouldn't even be a criteria of, um, of that. The only thing I'd say in, in, positive about that is, is language. Obviously, they can communicate better with the players than possibly some of the Spanish that we've had in the past. That said, I mean, I think if you look at the current crop of um, Spanish coaches in the league, the likes of uh, Peña, uh, Ferrando, uh, they, they're all, Gambao uh, and um, Manolo, they're all, Manolo's excellent. I mean, I think the way mm. he communicates both with his players and um, externally with, you know, whether it's media, whether it's management, etc. I think that's, a big factor because it, it's difficult when as management or with clubs you can't have that relationship with the coach or similarly if players can't go and approach the coach because there's a language barrier um, I don't and if you look at it this year I don't think any of the coaches will have that problem um, looking at the interaction which the Chennai coach had um, haven't heard much from the Northeast coach but obviously Ivan was there last year and he was, that's no problem so I think that communication is a huge factor so if that's the rationale behind it, then that's fine. But it's more than likely the English coach or British coach won last year. Therefore, let's go, let's go with that. Because a few years ago, when Spanish coaches won, there was an invasion of, um, of the Spanish. And I think the other reason also could be that when the Spanish coaches came in, they brought in a lot of Spanish players. And it's actually bumped up the prices. There's a huge inflation in that um, Spanish player market. So maybe to try and diversify and get talent from different parts, um, that could be one of the reasons as well. So I think this could be a controversial opinion. I think there is a lot of uh, talk about, you know, uh, Constantine coming back and how that's going to be a great thing for Indian football because he knows Indian football. But I, I honestly think he'll have a big challenge, not just because East Bengal is uh, run a little bit haywire, but also because uh, he can't pick and choose the best Indian players. Yes, he can get the foreign players in, but uh, it's you can't be a defensive-minded coach because more or less most teams are level here. So there is okay, going to be a lot of questions. Like, this is, this is my opinion. Like, can change. Well, I've got a question for you. When he was yeah. national team coach, did he pick the best Indian players? No, he didn't. But um, for most part, he didn't. Only, you know, the only player he didn't pick, which I thought deserved at that time, was uh, Thogisim Hoikit because he was scoring the goals of Pune. 
and it ended up with us having a fight at a press conference not a fight like a argument of sorts but he said he's not tall and i think hoike was 6 feet tall so uh, yeah there is he maybe didn't pick the best players on form now if you, if you look at when when he was in charge of the national team he got a lot of criticism for not picking players who were on form or fan favorite players he picked players that he felt were in fitness system like he picked the bikash jairus he picked the halicharans he picked the etc etc of, um, of the day who a lot of fans would possibly not have picked and um, you know it, it was it was players that suited the way he played so the argument there could be that he knows how to get the best out of limited resources and he's not necessarily one that wants those kind of um, flair players and i think if you look at as a club one of the biggest problems east bengal had in the last couple of seasons defensively they were quite poor and if he can fix that problem and he recruits good foreigners um you know he might actually they they might not be the sort of standard sort of all right wooden spoon contenders um and i'm curious to see i'm actually interested to see because we've labeled or people have labeled him as a certain type of coach because with the national team he played a certain way now with the club team how it'll be different um how he chooses to play because league games are different than you know when you're playing not to lose to try and keep ranking points or to keep that record etc but let's not forget it's the same guy same coach who 4-1 against thailand playing somebody like ashik kuranian up front as a number 9 um you'd rather see some bold decisions like that with him using players and knowing how to use indian players and get the best out of them than you know maybe seeing ashik as left back which some other coaches have done so you know given credit i mean until halfway through the season um i would just but i actually think he'll do well and he'll probably be probably the second best uh coach that east bengal have had in the last 5 years who was the first best we'll see at the end of the season if i'm wrong <laughs> but I, you know i do think that he will be decent but i think living up to the performance that he delivered at the national team level could be a problem because that's the person that you'll always compare him with this is the guy and then if he doesn't do well you're suddenly like he can't do well despite having all the foreigners in the team he could pick this blah 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 all that narrative will come and look kolkata clubs uh, it's very difficult to uh, you know sustain if you're not winning as you've seen the last two years uh, especially yeah and i think this year with the crowds being back that's a yeah. huge factor you got i mean the opening game in the durand cup which i don't think he's taking that game that's going to be uh, you know <laughs> that's going to be against um itike monbagan and then you've got um the league games and hopefully they don't schedule the derby so soon because in the last couple of years they've had the derby too soon for a team that's recently formed i think it's a little bit because um bagan will obviously be playing afc cup durand cup mm-hmm. all these kind of things so they'll be quite um they'll hit the ground running by the time the league starts so i think it'd be fairer if it's a bit more uh, spread out in terms of the derby isn't within the first month ideally um but let's see scheduling is a whole separate thing so. yeah i agree derby should be a little more in so that there is some meaning much more meaning than Absolutely. what it should be. yeah and especially with the crowds and everything like that like it'll be it'll be huge this year that'll be yeah. the proper derby one time proper, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the second division uh, brad i know you are very closely associated with it so um it's not really a division now is it no that's what it, it it's a bit of a confusing one at the moment because 
teams that have won their local um, competition, like obviously Tempos have won the Goa Pro League, FCBU has won the Bangalore Super Division, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Peerless won the Kolkata League, or oh, it was Mohammedan last year. Oh. But those are the teams that are eligible to play in the second division. So you, you start the second division as all winners of things. These are teams that have probably won 18 game leagues to get to the title. Some states it's probably just finished in a week. You have four games, you finish and you won your state league. That's how Rajasthan won, right? I think seven games right. in 11 days or something. Something like that. And Himachal one is similar and all these ones are similar like that. So then you compete in the second division and now they're talking about saying it's going to be home and away, it's going to be a proper second division, it's a league. Now, hope so. And what happens if then, let's say, the Kolkata team qualifies and then the Bengaluru and the Goan team finish miss out by a point. And there's also talk that second division and so ISL team, reserve teams might be in it as well. You miss out by a point. And then because you're focused on your second division campaign, you play a weakened team in your local league or you just don't happen to win your local league again. You miss out narrowly. So let's say a Salgaoka wins it in Goa or a, a Sporting Goa or somebody else wins it in Goa. Um, Kickstart in Bangalore wins it. Then what happens the next season? Are all automatically FCBU and Dempo's not eligible for second division and then now Kickstart come in? Which doesn't make sense because then you can't build for long term. You can't sign players on multiple year contracts. You can't have a second division campaign saying, all right, we missed out this year. We'll strengthen, build on our weaknesses and go next year. And by the same token, it shouldn't be close to that. Okay, Dempo's are in and FCBU's in. Now, Kickstart doesn't have a chance to get in or Salgaukas can't get in because there's one team from each state coming in. And in some places, in some cases, not even the, the city dictates the whole state, like Mumbai, Maharashtra, or um, Bangalore, for that example, in in Karnataka. It shouldn't be that way. If it's a league, and just like how Sporting Merit comes into it, if these are the teams in the second division, let's say there's ten teams this year in the second division, if there's Sporting Merit that another team has done well in their local league and they they can sustain it, they should be allowed. And then the second division is a league, so these are the teams that are in that league year in year out. There's obviously no relegation from the second league, second division, or they might have to be. If you finish bottom three, let's say, consecutive seasons, then you're not in there anymore. You have to earn your right back in there on some sporting credit to make the games meaningful. But you have to have teams that are in there because if you, if you remember back to the days when second division was very competitive, Royal Windo had three attempts, I think, or four attempts, and then they got in. Sikkim, it was the same thing, three or four attempts. Lajong didn't get in on the first attempt. I think a lot of teams, HAL, had to fight even there was a case even Dempo's I think missed out one year and then the next year they got in. So if you want to make the second division a meaningful league, you have to take into consideration that it has to be a league and not this tournament format because it can't be qualifying tournament. That's because then it's just a it's just a lottery and then clubs can't build for the future. How how why why do they call it the league then? Because obviously very clearly as you said over the years over the past few years. It's been a it's been a tournament like you the winner all of them go play one time so you sign players for that especially and then you don't play the same team in your uh, local leagues most of the time especially if the local league doesn't happen at the right time which is also quite interesting so a lot of money is also wasted in this whole process right yeah and it, and it suits the teams that can put together a team just for their local league so you put together as you said seven days or eleven days four games win your local league continue on and then play the um, um, second division qualifiers, as they call it. Last two years, okay, they've got an excuse. COVID, so you have to be in bubbles, etc., etc. But this last year was a fast because the second division qualifying, well, for the I-League qualifying, finished after the transfer window closed. And then the same team was going to get admitted into the I-League that season. 
but they start the season started before the transfer window had opened. So Rajasthan played the first game with seven seven players because they didn't have players registered. So it's a it's a fast. So you have to have a proper season for the second division that starts. Let people know when it's going to start because the transfer window is going to close in about a month's time. Mm, yeah. If you start, if you just suddenly announce it in November, what are people going to do? They're going to say, "Oh, okay, we can only sign free agents." So it kind of weakens the whole structure of the league. You can't loan players from other teams that may not be getting games in the ISL or I League. Or everyone will then say, "Please, can we delay it till January because we haven't got players?" So you delay it till January, then it becomes at very best a five-month league. But you can delay it for one season, saying, okay, this year, but next year you should clearly state next year we're going to start on whatever it is, whether it's July, whether it's September, whether it's some, clearly state when you're going to start the next league so people can sign players on longer term contracts. It's great for players to have that stability. It's not great for players to be like, oh, you're giving a, you're giving a contract which states till the last day of the league. And then if the league is one month, they only get paid a month. That, that's, that's not right on players either. So. Yeah, it is a pretty uh, hot spots, let's say, version of uh, running that league. Let's hopefully, we'll hear more about the COA thing later. So, uh, hopefully something will come out of it and we'll have a calendar. Which That's can today, see. right? That's, That's today. today yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you expect? I think they might just uh, shove it down people's throat with some, obviously, some changes that FIFA has uh, suggested or AFC has suggested. But yeah, I think they will shove it down the, the whole thing and... Fair enough, whatever works, works. But yeah, uh, we, we had a long discussion with Ranjit Bajaj about this uh, cross-questioning him. So let's see uh, what comes out of it. So I'm just going to throw this. We hadn't discussed this, but I'm just going to throw this because it just popped okay. in my head uh, out of the left, left field. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was seeing this thing in, in uh, on Twitter. There was a clip that said one of the foreign commentators who were that was in the next end cup told that Kerala Blasters is the biggest club in the country. And a lot of people are talking about it. I think they lost uh, 7-0 or something. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever, that's irrelevant. I mean, we discussed that in the first part, first question. But uh, nevertheless, uh, it brings me back to the question, like, what do you think is the biggest uh, team in the, in the country? And it's your opinion, right? It's not like a... And I'll say my opinion as well, so uh, so that uh, if we get abused, we are both abused. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Um, it depends what metric, obviously. Like, look, when you say big clubs in India, the first ones that pop to mind are your um, the Kolkata Giants, yeah. right? Those three clubs are your big clubs because of the history and legacy. That's one way of looking at it, what they've achieved, and you start racking up their trophies, and obviously, they win that argument. Um, if you use the um, modern day parlance of which are the big clubs, then obviously, you know, your city group teams and, you know, I think um, Bagan at the moment are the big spenders. They can get the biggest players. If you look at as an Indian youngster, you know, where are the big money players going? It's like whether it was Apuya last season to Mumbai or Ashik now and other Ashish Rai going to uh, Bagan. So that's the, that's where the money is. Now, something that I'm not a big fan of, but there's all social media side of it, but you have a social media battle, there's only one club that's going to win it, and that's um, Kerala Blasters. And so by that rationale, yeah, they're the biggest club in India because uh, you disagree, you're going to get, who are you going to get trolled the most by? Probably like um, fans from that club. Um, so it's, it's the age-old argument that everyone wants to argue about, my club is better than your club. Um, by what rationale do you use it? I mean, BFC fans will say, whatever, 
five and five or the, in the last five years they've been the most successful in Indian football both on domestic continental side. so everyone's got their own yardstick that they'll choose to measure themselves by um, and you know maybe that commentator is just uh, clever in, uh, <laughs> positioning himself for a commentary role in the um, ISL <laughs> uh, so could be that mate you never know nowadays you know it's just we think it's just a flippant remark but um, it could be just a little chuck a little seed in there let's see if it grows and yeah, that's the way social media seems to be at the moment nowadays and you know perfectly you get a hundred likes and one one you know the, the, that tweet someone put up saying oh he mentioned it's a Premier League commentator it's not like it's a Premier League commentator some guy commentating on a game that's happening at a youth training ground right I mean yeah. it's it's great, yeah. Look, if it makes you feel better that you're the biggest club in India, great. But it takes away from the fact, and it's a good way to hide the fact that you got pumped seven nil, um, and they took their foot off the pedal, um, Spurs. And that's Spurs. They were doing great. rainbows. Those yeah. kids were doing rainbows. Like imagine if you would see that in our uh, field, we push that guy and say, "Shut the fuck up and don't do this anymore." Yeah. No, and it was just because it was too easy for them. I mean, that's but that's what I mean. What's what? Hopefully the takeaway from that is you realize like 16 and 17 year old players in those countries are significantly better and but we just have to deep down and go why and it comes down to the age old thing. They play more games, they have more games. Yeah. Unfortunately these lads they played a little tournament that happened in Goa for a month and then just been training a little bit and expecting to compete against players who play 40 games a season at the very very least. Yeah, for 5-6 years. Uh, yeah exactly. Uh, or longer. I mean, yeah. the, those, the boys who uh, scored those goals, you know, they, the guy was played the most minutes in under 16 last year. He was one of their best players in 2021. Mm. So they've been doing that since the age of eight. So you're looking at close to 10 years where 40 games, they've played over 500 games in their lives, Com you know, proper, Competition. meaningful games. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not a like for like compensation. See, that five year difference doesn't make a difference. That's why I come back to that same old thing with the Arrows project and all that. Like, you can age cheat and get success at under 16 level. Mm. And you wonder why under 16 our teams do well in SAF or other competitions, and then under 20 we don't. Because that age makes no difference once you're at a. You saw under yeah. 18 boys yesterday from in the next gen cup who are bigger, stronger than these um, players who are older. So um, it that, that levels out. So. That advantage you gain is so short and so pointless that mm. we have to start fixing that. So that's the bigger issue to be addressing rather than, you know, my club is bigger than your club kind of thing. So I, I wrote an article on uh, age fraud recently, so everybody can go check it out on my Twitter feed. But uh, there's some funny stories of uh, brothers and all going and doing the <laughs> TW3 test to show the rest of a 13-year-old. <laughs> the younger brother goes and does it. <laughs> Now look, until look, the bigger issue isn't the players. I think it's the coaches because yeah, people yeah. who enable the people who enable it are the ones who need to be taken into task. And we're not. And we've. I haven't seen a single coach get done for it um, until he started banning coaches. We talk about it on coach education courses, but everyone just nods their head and agrees. And you've got guys on your coaching course who are ex-players who've all done it themselves and mm -hmm. will criticize others, but won't put their hand up and say, "Yeah, you know, my coaches did this to me as well." I mean, how many ex-players have come and spoken up and said? Uh, you know, my coaches at this academy did that, or my coach at that academy did. There's a guy. There's guys in the national team setup who are coaching the next generation, who themselves have, achieved, have changed their age or changed their name to. They couldn't change the birth certificate, so you get your younger brother's birth certificate. Yeah. Right. Um, and now they're in charge of national team programs, or assistant coaches or head coaches of national teams, and they're not putting their hand up saying, "At least put your hand up and say, listen, it was wrong in those days. That's what we did, and we shouldn't do it." But 
that's that's where it comes down to the accountability and if you don't clamp down on it with the coaches it's never going to stop yeah i think even my dad uh, is uh, technically one year younger than he actually is in terms of records but that's just random because his father forgot uh, what his age was when they put him in school so he said ah he's this thing but yeah again he never played anything at any level so that's okay uh, but uh, yeah coming back to this uh, biggest club thing i in my last 5 minutes i've thought really hard about this and i think at this moment in time i would probably say mohan bagan uh, i know it's difficult to say because you know the atk combination and people are unhappy blah blah, blah. but they are winning titles they have the history to back it up in the last 10 years probably bfc and bagan are the two bfc probably is the number one but bagan was the number two so and right now they look like a better team they have the fan base they have the trophies they have the history i think that's who i go with yeah and i think for me if you look at national team players right which team if you, you look at the the likes of list and the manveer ashik now ashish rai amrinder's there um i think the kids just joined um you've got players it's stacked with national team level players and so if you're a young player coming up it's almost like you're aspiring i want to play there because you want to play with the best players and compete against them so um and some of the best foreign players in the league are also playing over there so definitely from that perspective and all that i think they they have to be up there and look the truth again is now this year crowds are back i think their their games will be absolutely packed and sold out if they um you know do do everything the right way and you know make sure that they look after their fans i think bagan will just be you know the team that everyone can, will be looking and watching watching out for this season yeah, so uh, that's my stamp okay so that's who i think it is so anyway i think this is the end of the discussion we have we'll have a few more controversial topics or uh, discussions where we can sort of uh, butt heads a little bit uh, yeah. going forward hopefully we'll have more things when things start start uh, like you know happening like the dollar yep. dollar cap or something starts happening so uh, sure, thank sure. you maybe Thanks, maybe we we'll get some others maybe get ranjit or khan or something oh yeah, yeah richard yeah. Uh, butt heads a little bit more absolutely yeah but richard is difficult to butt heads so he's a very capable <laughs> guy but orko definitely we can butt heads yeah so all right mate thanks andeep thank you okay see you yeah. hey i've got a